Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking my pick, Time to Kill, from 1989, directed by Giuliano Montaldo and starring Nick Cage in an earlier, oh, yeah. relatively early role. Mm. I guess he was kind of a, a known entity, right? I mean, he had done a couple of big things by then, by ni- by 89. Yeah. Also yeah, stars... Done, uh, uh, yeah. Hmm? I was going to say, he's, hmm? he'd done Vampire's Kiss already. Right. Right. And Peggy, Peggy Sue got married. Right. And and uh, Fast background. Times at Ridgemont High. He's in the background of one of those scenes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this also has a ton of... Uh, uh, Italian actors in it, mm. so I don't know how the letterbox roulette's going to work this week. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, what's uh, what's happening? Man, those oh. Oscars. Am I right? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, well, I, I will say that uh, I didn't watch the Oscars this year. Mm. Uh, because they just they make it difficult to watch, and the fact that it's 2022 and you can't stream it still is just like ridiculous. And they tell you you can stream it, but there's nowhere to stream it. You have to have like cable subscription to stream it. It's just it's ridiculous, and I'm just I think I'm 100 percent done with it at this point. Like the fact that they gave Coda Best Picture and the whole Will Smith thing, like which mm. is so like I'm tired of hearing about it, but like. I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of with like Jim Carrey on this one, how he called everybody cowards for giving him a standing ovation. Like, I sort of agree with that. Like, it's just gross situation, and the Oscars are gross. And, uh, not, I don't know. I'm not, not feeling it anymore. To be fair, not everyone gave him a standing ovation. A bunch of people were straight up not clapping. Uh, it wasn't, that is true. I did it see It wasn't that. unanimous. Mm. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. But, but yeah. Yeah. So that was weird. Even the, it's just a, you know, I don't know. The Coda thing, which I brought up last episode, is like uh, people are saying <laughs> the people were correct. Um, you know, that's like it's not it's not Green Book. It's not. There have been way worse uh, recent winners, and you just got to remember that like shit, like Parasite winning or Moonlight, which I don't love, but is still a really like off-brand winner for them like uh, mm-hmm. this is this is the straight down the middle kind of shit that they uh win, yeah. that they award all the time so whatever. that's the kind of that's why i like when it won i was like well i don't know what i was expecting it's like i mean what was gonna win that i was going to like you know what i mean what was gonna win that it was gonna be okay with me mm-hmm. that it won I mean, none of the stuff that like if Licorice Pizza won, I would have been happy. But there's no way that that would ever win. Like it's there to fill out the bill. You know what I mean? So, so like Dune <laughs> would not have made you happy. I mean, Dune would have been like cool in a way, I suppose. But it's just like again, Dune would not have won. Like yeah. it wasn't even in contention. Like all you ever hear about is uh, Power of the Dog. Mm. Really, I mean, that was pretty much it until you, you were telling me about Coda and the, the Producers Guild and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so the only other... Yeah, it seemed like Power of the Dog was like the... It's the favorite, it's winning, nothing else is winning. There was like a... Belfast had a moment. Um, and, you know, good for Belfast turning its moment into a, a screenplay win. Yeah. And uh, 
You're right. That was it. It was uh, it was Coda after that. Yeah, it's just gross. And I would have been fine with. I would have also been fine with Belfast winning. But it's like, the, the more I think about it, it's like it doesn't even matter. It's just like it com- it's completely irrelevant what wins. Like it doesn't even hold the same kind of weight that it seemed to hold when we were younger. Mm. Where you could say, wow, like this person has an Oscar. That means something, even if it means something in a strictly like Hollywood cachet kind of way. It doesn't even seem to hold that sort of power anymore. Now it seems like they're all legacy awards. Will Smith wins because he's been nominated a dozen times and they haven't given it to him yet, so not. give it to him for this one. You know, they've been nominated twice before. It, but Whatever, he's what? been struggling to get an Oscar for a long time. A long time. Yeah. He's wanted one, bad. I and it's just saying, that's, and, and I mean, like, anybody like that who wins one, they're never winning for the thing that they deserve to win for. It seems I, like I think this is a weird year to. I don't like this is not a great year as like evidence of that. I don't think like he won an award playing a character that it, the kind of thing that's often rewarded like doing the big acting, doing the the physical transformation, doing like a voice thing. Uh, this is do it, a real person. This is the kind of shit the Oscars mm. often choose mm-hmm. and you're yeah you're right it's not will smith's best role or anything but it's well i don't think will smith, will smith, will smith has the best role but i mean <laughs> I, like I, I look at his filmography i don't think there's any movies in there that are any good really i mean they're all just kind of throwaway disposable trash but mm-hmm. i don't i, I just, never, and then to be fair i didn't see king richard so i mean it's just again it's just like and i don't and i don't want to see king richard i haven't wanted to see it except for the fact that it was nominated you know mm-hmm. what i mean so it's like it's, that's 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 the curse of the Oscars. It forces you to watch shit that you know is going to be bad. I guess I, just to be in the conversation. When I like when I look at the movies nominated for Oscars or the movies nominated for uh, the acting awards, it, I just I see like the Oscars' taste has not changed. They're still nominating the same kind of shit they nominated in the seventies. Uh, it's still like middle brow adult entertainment that you would like that if it came out decades ago would be popular it's just like not as popular anymore and we have a lot more choices and they throw in like curveballs sometimes with these much you know more out there and interesting movies uh and you know they're never going to change and they they've added thousands of people a lot of them younger a lot of them uh international and they're still still somehow nominating and awarding the same crap um I'm always gonna watch it, and I'm, even though I didn't watch it this year, live, I watched it the next day. Uh, I'm always gonna enjoy the pageantry of it, and but I like I've never I don't give it weight. It does not hold weight with me mm. uh, at all, but I, I can still enjoy it. Mm. I mean, I, I, I it's just like it's not that it holds weight. It's just that it seemed like it had more prestige but i guess but i mean you're right though i mean it's like when you think about the fact that like <laughs> like when i think about great performances from the 70s that were nominated and didn't win or great performances from the 70s that weren't even nominated you know and it's like they really you're right i mean they're just like they're they nominate middle of the road crowd pleasery shit and that's their deal hmm. and then they give the oscars to that stuff yeah. Except for the years when they get complained about, and then they give it to some kind of you know completely out of the box 
<laughs> like Parasite, you know? Oh, we'll give it to Parasite, and that'll show that we're cool and we like foreign stuff, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, like, for, for one year. Yeah, yeah, it's not about white well, it, people this year, you know? But it's no. just like, it's just... Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a two-year two year weird stretch. I mean, Parasite to Nomadland, which, I, I like, Nomadland won because nothing came out that year you know it's like we, mm-hmm. we have no movies to to choose from right. um you know asterisk uh win for nomadland but uh you know that's that's an atypical movie for them as well but uh, mm. you know now that the big movies are back it's uh, it's over back in a big way but you know in 20 2024 maybe dune will uh dune will do what <laughs> return of the king did you know it'll rack them all in is it 2020? Oh, you mean in the Oscar ceremony of 2020? Yes. Mm, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Dune's going to suck. All right. Moving <laughs> moving on. Play the Oscar music. Oh, Get just us um, off the stage. I just want to say like there's yeah, there's ahead. no way there's no way there's no way Jessica Chastain did a better job than Kristen Stewart. Just no uh, way. You're right. That movie is not good and uh Jessica Chastain was like she was not of like a favorite to even get a nomination this year. That movie was just too small, too ignored. And uh, <laughs> it seems like they, they, I mean, this is the other thing that like, I can't really weigh in on, uh, but I follow it just kind of, I, f- I follow it sort of like the, the campaign season of the Oscars mm. where like, she just really, really, got out there and was promoting herself and her movie. I mean, she, her Instagram videos like about like showing like her getting in the, like the Tammy Faye makeup, like she won, she won her makeup team an Oscar for Tammy Faye, just like by having them in like her publicity campaign. Mm. Um, So, you know what? Good, good for her. And I didn't think Kristen Stewart would ever have won. I was really nervous that Nicole Kidman was going to win. And I, again, I think that's the either the worst or second worst movie of the year. And I was going to be really upset about that. So whatever. Mm. That's on the, that's literally on the bottom of your list. It that is and free guy. It's, <laughs> wow. you know, depending on the day it's, that is wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. You, you don't have to. That, well, you, you didn't don't. see that Abel Ferrer movie that I watched, but uh, <laughs> not, was it? not yet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't think there's any. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any trailers to talk about or anything. So mm, I don't think so. We can jump right into what we watched. Who wants to begin? I'll start this week. So, so I watched a uh, police story with Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, cop has to, you know take down the mob and do it in a really spastic and goofy way. And I thought most of it was pretty entertaining, but there were long stretches where it was like, this joke has run its course. Like when he's like manning the phones at the, uh, at the, the police headquarters. And it's like just 10 minutes of him bouncing around phones and pencils. It's like, all right, this could be shorter. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean, you know, the action is good. Jackie Chan is good. You know. But uh Are you going to watch two? I don't know. Like I want to like 
right now yes. I really want to watch uh, a, the Better Tomorrow movies. Oh, like I, w- I want to like get more like John Woo in the '80s with Chow Yun Fat and you know Tony Leung. Yeah. I want more of that stuff better, and Leslie Chung. Better Tomorrow, Better Tomorrow Two is uh, was a staple of my teen years. Mm. I used to watch the shit out of it. Mm, yeah, all the time. But Bullet ballet. You know who's in Police Story Two? Maggie Chung. No. Yeah, Maggie. Maggie fucking Chung. Yeah, she's in. Oh, she's she? in one too. And yeah, she's great. she is. So I don't. So why would you stop now? I don't. I don't understand. Well, um, well, I've been meaning to watch uh, Center Stage since it's on Criterion Channel. So yeah, yeah. Instead of just having her, you know, play a bit part, like why not just watch a whole movie with her? Yeah, yeah. The um, the Jackie Chan's like love interest who gets very little screen time. Not her yeah. best part, obviously. But uh, I think all of the not all. I haven't seen like the super cop movies that he's put out this uh, century. But those first or police story, those first few ending with super cop, or at least that's how it was marketed in America. Uh, mm. I think they're a blast. I. Uh I think I saw the first police story once, and we watched Supercop a lot when mm. we were younger. Oh, yeah. But um, I don't think I ever saw the second one. Mm. I mean, Supercop, Rumble in the Bronx. I'm yeah, Rumble in the Bronx yeah. was huge. Was, uh, was there, there was one more that I feel like was just always around at my house. Whatever. Shanghai Noon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. First, first Strike not. was there, but that wasn't oh, as yeah, good. First Strike, yeah. Dude, First Strike rocks as the, the ladder fight. Where he takes the ladder and fights all those guys with it. <laughs> that shit is. I showed that to my my students when I was at Park Forest one day. I was just bored. <laughs> I was just like, let's just watch this ladder fight. And it, they loved it. Nice. It's, it's great. It's just great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll uh, I'll continue. I'll uh, let's see. I watched um, just briefly. I watched World, Worst Person in the World. Which, I'll tell you, I was loving until the third act. It just gets a little full of itself, a little over-serious, and uh, I didn't understand why, because I was really enjoying its sort of uh, irreverent irreverence uh, prior to the whole thing that happens with her ex-boyfriend. I don't want to get into it to spoil it, but all that stuff. Pretty... Uh, I don't know, just felt very, like, manipulative, and I was not interested at that point. But until then, I, th- I had a blast with it. I thought it was pretty good. So, that's I think, I think it's that's... my first Joaquin Trier movie. Or oh, yeah. Joachim Trier. I don't know how you say his name. Yeah, it's my first one of his. I think uh, people love... Um, it's like Oslo, August 31st, I believe mm-hmm. it's called. But his first movie, uh, Reprise, with... Uh, with that guy who plays the ex-boyfriend, it's, uh, I love it. Is it that? Uh, yeah, Andrew I never. Yeah, Daniel I think I've Anders only Lee really ever even like heard of him. Oh, okay, yeah, Anders, Anders, yeah. I think I've only ever heard of him because of uh, Thelma is the only one I've really heard of. Oh, really? Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a bad movie. Worst person in the world. It was just it just lost me at the end. That's all. Yeah, I think I agree. I and I, it did just seem like it was a movie that was like having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
like some of like the the soundtrack moments and the the running to the cafe with like the stop time thing like it that's the kind of shit that like i would have fallen in love with at 16 but i thought still worked for me at this age you know it worked for my cynical um hateful ass (laughs) (laughs) the um there was a killer speaking of the needle drops there was a killer todd rundgren song that they dropped right in the middle of this healing which is amazing and uh i was really happy to hear it so that that was early in the film i was very excited nice you know what are you gonna do anyway (laughs) jared's being overrun by animals now yeah hurting cats this fucking cat just kidding i love her but fucking cat um all right i'll uh i'll go with a, a downer i watched uh mass which is uh, written and directed by Fran Kranz, who is um, the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. And if he's done like anything else, then I'm not really aware of it. I don't. I don't see him. He, I'm sure he's the been in like other. The stoner actor from Cabin in the Woods. Like he's the stoner character. Oh, in Cabin of the Okay, never mind. I was thinking of um, Cabin Fever, and I was like, Oh no, oh, like that the guy. the Drew Goddard, <laughs> Drew Goddard, Joss Whedon movie. Mm. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, wrote and directed this, which is about uh, two couples who kind of have this like, arranged meeting at a church. The church is sort of like a neutral ground, and um, we learn pretty quickly that uh, they are the parents of, um, respectively, a school shooter and a school shooter victim um, kind of meeting to uh, I don't know like air grievances just kind of like have some closure move on from this just like awful awful event and um, stars Ann Dowd Jason Isaacs Martha Plimpton and uh, Reed Burney who I don't think I know but uh and Dowd and Martha Plimpton are especially awesome. This is like, a, you know, it really like walks up to a line of being like overly written and uh, dramatic and very much like a play, but then also like having just like really raw, um, sincere emotional moments uh, that it, like it just doesn't get like too like screamy or shouty the way that I was afraid it would. It's a real just real fucking downer i don't ever want to watch it again but it's uh it's on hulu if you guys want to uh want to get sad you gotta go (laughs) kevin are you gonna you gonna get sad with that one probably not yeah oh shit sorry (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) skip it myself i don't know this guy is he he's a, a talent to watch guys we're we're gonna be paying attention to this stoner from Cabin in the woods pretty soon okay I mean if you say so yeah I mean you know there are some smart directing choices in here I mean I honestly like if this guy made another movie and it was good I would not be surprised at all cool yeah no I, I'm, I'm I mean I buy it I would uh I'm not saying I would never watch this movie I've heard things about it uh, and I like jason isaacs a lot 
but um, I don't know. It just seemed like a sort of VOD trash release. Mm. But if you're telling me different, then hey. I'm telling you different. All right. Uh, I don't think Jason Isaacs ages. Like yeah, he's he looks the exact same as he did in the year 2000 when he was in uh, Black Hawk Down. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is, is insane. He turns uh he turns 60 next year. Oh, really? He's wow. only 60? Yeah, that's crazy that he was like 40. Yeah, in, in the in I the Patriot so. or not even 40 in wait, what Right, no. like late 30s in the Patriot. Yeah. Wild. That's weird, man. Yeah, he just has an older look. Mm. Like he looks like he's already he looks like he's fifty back then. Yeah. It's cool, but, man. And he's still he does not look sixty. Mm. Yeah. He takes good care of himself. He's in good shape. Yeah, for sure. He's he's buff as fuck as the father <laughs> of a <laughs> he shooting, to, shooting he, victim. He needed to work out for that role. <laughs> he yeah. really get in shape. He's got 0% body fat because he needs to be the father of a shooting victim. Yeah, yeah. honestly, I uh, I regretted that joke, mid-joke. I feel <laughs> I feel icky having said it. Let's move on. Okay. All right, Kevin. All right. So uh, continuing my uh, Soderbergh uh, rabbit hole, I watched Side Effects. So uh, Rooney Mara plays this woman who is, like, having some difficult times because her husband is just getting out of prison husband played by Channing Tatum and um like he was in for like insider trading so weird stuff starts to happen to her she starts having like she attempts uh suicide by crashing her car in a parking garage then Jude Law starts you know treating her and puts her on this experimental medication that Catherine Zeta-Jones got him on the like trial study for and things just proceed to get weirder because then you know Rooney Mara is sleepwalking and next thing you know she kills her husband and so yeah like it was an interesting movie to watch because like there's you know a lot of back and forth between um Jude Law trying to figure, you know, piece together what happened, how this could have happened, you know, um, like he's like losing his practice and all this other kind of stuff because, because this happened. Um, and yeah, it goes to a couple of interesting places. Um, personally, I would say the weak link in this movie is Catherine Zeta Jones. I don't know why she's just not doing a great job in this movie, in my opinion. Like she's very dry and very like, uh, just I don't know, like phoning it in, pretty much. Hmm. Um, but yeah, other otherwise, you know, it's Soderbergh. It's a solid movie, and like it's kind of you know like this is the same dude who wrote uh, Contagion, because like I was thinking about you know like there are. Um, like people who have like committed murder and stuff on Ambien and have you know mm-hmm. gotten off, so it's kind of exploring those different avenues. So definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it already. I saw it in the theater, um, mm. but it's been a while. 
since since then and i i really enjoyed it i mean i was like it was just like a i remember just being like a really serviceable thriller Mm. from soderbergh and uh i remember the scene in particular where she kills channing tatum's character to be i remember being pretty disturbing actually (laughs) because because it's like the way the knife slides in and everything it's very like it just i remember being very real and like yeah and the fact that like he he never like it's not one of those typical stabbings where it's like, you know, ah, ah, ah. You know, he's like, right. it's very natural. And because of that, it's very disturbing. Yeah. He's like, he's confused what's happening. And he's like, I remember he says, stop it at one point, which is, that's disturbing to me. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But, uh, yeah. so, like, even though he's only in it for like five, you know, 10 minutes, like, Channing Tatum, mm-hmm. he's worth your attention. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I, I just I remember this was I think if this was Side Effects was the last movie that Soderbergh made before he announced his retirement. Oh yeah, <laughs> and went into TV, and then his, the TV stuff all failed and dried up, and uh. then he started making movies again. But anyway, yeah. um, I watched Mad God, which is a uh, movie that's been. Uh, being made by Phil Tippett for the last 30 years or so. Stop motion animation movie. Um, Phil Tippett's the guy who did all the stop motion stuff for the Star Wars movies, among other things. Mm. And um, he made this movie in segments uh, about an assassin who descends into like hell, essentially, and is trying to blow up... <laughs> This underworld uh, with a bomb, with a suitcase bomb, and he runs into all sorts of uh, just really demonic, weird, disturbing, disgusting, very just sort of gory, nasty imagery. And uh, it's not my kind of thing, to be honest. Like I'm watching it, and uh, it's just like just what it is is just it just feels very hollow like the whole like I don't know what the meaning is behind anything I don't know if there is any meaning behind anything mm. it felt very much like something it felt a little it felt immature I guess story wise now the actual like animation itself is incredibly impressive and it's like the smoothest stop motion animation I've ever seen like it's not jittery at all it's mm. incredible looking it's beautiful actually but then there's also like live action elements that he incorporates at certain points which really don't work and uh, Alex Cox director of uh, Repo Man and Walker is in this movie mm. <laughs> as a like weird creepy he's like the guy who sends the assassins into the underworld but he's just i don't know his stuff doesn't work either i'm not into it and uh it was nice to see him on screen and everything but i wish he'd direct a movie to be honest (laughs) not be in a movie but uh yeah i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't you know recommend this to you know animation heads i honestly i feel like kevin would like it kevin (laughs) you would like this uh how'd you watch it this is this is good, Kevin. You'll love I uh, would rather not say how I watched it, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand. You saw it at but, a friend's uh, house. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. get my friend to email it to you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I mean, but yeah. I don't know. It's, it sounds like I don't know. It sounds like the stop motion version of Spine of Night right now. <laughs> it really, it really, it has a lot of similarities with that. Or it's, it's, it's not. 
it's not that it's similar in any specific way, but it's mm. definitely like the tone is, I would say, sort of, and then maybe the sensibilities are, sens- are right. similar as far as the writing goes. And I mean, there's no dialogue in it. Oh, it's all like essentially silent. I mean, there's sound effects and stuff, but there's no people talk. People don't talk to each other in it. Oh, okay. Um, it's just a lot of like grunting and weird, you know. There's like this really gory surgery scene like midway through it it reminded me so much of begotten the uh elias uh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. no not Cody. <laughs> what shadow of the vampire the, that guy yeah shadow of the vampire guy the begotten scene where where uh you know like god is disemboweling himself at the beginning of that movie it reminded me of that because it was just over long and like it wouldn't cut away from this guy. They're just ripping stuff right. out of this guy, and it's just blood everywhere. And mm. Hey, I'm I'm sold. I definitely don't need to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything can be referenced to begotten. You're out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, that's Mad God for you. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go the opposite end. Uh, in my Insane quest to watch every feature nominated for an Oscar. I finally got to uh, Cyrano, which is a adaptation. It's a movie adaptation of a musical adaptation, like musical off-Broadway adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, this one has Peter Dinklage as Cyrano, so his inferiority complex comes from uh, you know, his size, dwarfism, and not from a, a large schnoz, um, like in the original. And uh, after, you know, like 15 minutes, I thought I might be watching just like an all-time garbage movie. Uh, I was like, Joe Wright, what have you done? This is this is a disaster. I've got what appears to be like a, a sword fight rap battle happening. I was not happy with. Um, But after this kind of extended opening, and once you get a feel for its, you know, comedic sensibilities, I uh, I thought it got much better. The songs got much better. And uh, Peter Dinklage and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, especially, get uh, much better. And uh, the Cyrano de Bergerac story to me is just, like, stupid. This... This guy with an inferiority complex who is like brilliant and perfect in every way, except that he has like a, a physical thing that he's unhappy with, uh, like writes poems for some other guy that's in love with the girl that he's in love with. And it's that shit's all so dumb. And so this movie kind of having fun with that uh, totally works for me. And it all culminates in some uh, just absolutely stunning stunningly beautiful scenes set and filmed in the italian alps and uh this music was written by the national which is a band i like and i didn't know that until halfway through the movie when i paused it and was like why the fuck is this ripping off the national (laughs) Uh, it didn't it just was written by them Mm. yeah uh i know this is a movie you guys will never watch and you shouldn't watch it you'll hate it because you guys hate things that are fun so <laughs> you know me you hate you you hate joe wright you guys can't stand pride and prejudice i can't say i've seen yeah. one of his movies I'm, you can't I stand like, uh, hannah 
I like Hannah. You can't say like, Anna Karenina. I like Anna Karenina. I like both of those. I just talked about Anna Karenina a minute ago with with uh, Nicole. So yeah, I like both of those movies. I don't like um, something else that he did. Did he do Atonement, or am I thinking of somebody else? He did, he did else? do Atonement. He, he did yeah. Atonement. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Me neither. He did Atonement. He did. Um, he did the, the cellist f- or whatever it's called. No, no the, the soloist. soloist. I didn't see yeah. that one. Oh, he did uh, the dark, um, the World War Two movie that came out the same year as Dunkirk, right? No, not the same year as Dunkirk. Atonement. <laughs> <laughs> the one about the the, the oh British Churchill. Guy. Yeah, the Churchill movie. It was the called dark like hour, dark, oh, Darkest yeah. Hour. Yeah, Darkest Hour. There we go. And like that was a boring movie for him, but. Uh, I think I've only seen Hannah and <laughs> Hannah and uh, Anna Karenina. I remember this is I remember John doing his impression of Gary Oldman. And we will never surrender. This Jorait also did that like god awful Joe Wright, uh, not that god awful Hugh Jackman, uh, Peter oh. Pan movie called Pan. No I, no, I didn't see that. And this is like if you mixed sort of like the garish visual sensibility of pan but had much better like content mm. writing and acting in it that's that's kind of the vibe here i'll be um, honest when i first saw the trailer for this movie that we're talking about cyrano i was i'm intrigued by the idea of making cyrano a little person that's an interesting idea and i think I mean, Peter Dinklage is obviously the greatest little person actor to have ever lived. And uh, maybe who will ever live. Um, but when it turned into a musical near the end of the trailer, like I was like, I'm out. Like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't watch a musical. Because it's just, I don't know. I, was, I, was, I guess I was afraid it was going to become, is it operatic? Uh, no, it is not. And the music is also... For the most part, not um, good. It's not like breaking reality a lot of the time. Um, I can think of one scene where it probably is, but uh, part of the whole deal is like, you know, like this this guy wants words that he can uh, write in letters to Roxanne, uh, and when they talk, uh, you know, she wants to be sung to, and so like there's there's a musical moment there where there's singing and. I mean, there literally is, like, a rap battle where they're, like, the intent is to have, like, that sort of uh, word jousting thing going on. And again, that's the worst scene in the movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you're, you probably would not like it because uh, you have... You I mean, don't know. <laughs> I, I know I don't know, but it's like when you have, you know, very... The musical really has to work for you to be okay yeah, with the musical part of it. But honestly, it's like a total, it's a crapshoot because I never okay. know mm. what's going to work and what's not. Like, I going into West Side Story, I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't assuming I was going to enjoy it. And it just, you know, it worked for me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I And I actually uh, thought I, I was expecting to hate Cyrano. I really didn't want to watch it. I was annoyed that it got nominated for an Oscar for Best Costume because I was like, fuck you. Why do I have to watch this? Uh, and then I liked it a lot. That's always good. It's always good to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin? I just got to trust my man Joe. I fucking love Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Joe. The better of the Wright brothers. <clears throat> <laughs> at, at the moment. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so I watched a. I finally got around to my homework from last year. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I finally watched uh, Where's My Friend's House. I'm going to call it Where's My Friend's House because it makes more sense. Mm. Um, That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, like, and like I said in my letterbox review, like, I don't remember ever being more invested in the outcome of a chase scene. Because, like, when when that dude, like, takes some paper from his notebook, I'm just going to take one page. I'm just going to take one page. It'll be from the, it'll be at the, at the end. Your teacher won't even notice. He's like, this dude's about to kick him out for, like, no reason. <laughs> like, what are you talking But then he's like, oh, wait a minute. Is this my friend's father? Wait a minute. And he's, like, chasing him down as he's, you know, going up and down hills on, on this donkey. It's like. No, like you're really you're really rooting for this kid. Like he's tr- you know trying his best. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, and so then, as part of my Criterion challenge, I was I watched Taste of Cherry because this was like in Agnes Varda's uh, closet pick. That's my pick too for that. Oh yeah. Um, so. You don't find out until quite a, quite a bit further into the movie, but like at first, this just this dude driving around um, a town in Iran talking to people, but then you find out that like he's ready to commit suicide and he just wants someone to bury him at dawn, make sure that he's dead and bury him and move on with their life, and he'll pay them. Um, this wasn't as I didn't enjoy it as much because um, I thought it was a little long and, it, you know, it gets really into that territory of like, you know, what is the meaning of existence? And that's an hour and 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> but but I thought it was I thought it was well acted. Um, and then like the the, the final scene, um, John, you haven't seen it yet, right? I have not. Okay, then I, I won't. Uh, I won't spoil yeah, don't, it. But don't uh, fuck me here. Man. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see more Kiristami. I want to watch uh, Close Up now. Close Up rocks. I love Close Up. Yeah, I'm looking but, forward um, to it. I'm yeah, I'm, rock. I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm gonna watch Taste of Cherry soon. Mm. I actually have two of his films in my Criterion. Actually, I might have three. Come to think of it. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, I watched uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is uh, from 1920, Um, and I don't 100% know why I watched this, but... I uh, I do. Do you? Yeah. Did they mention this on Film Chunk? Yeah. Who watched it? Uh, Sean, he was accused of classitosis. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he does have classitosis pretty bad. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, they said there was a... I remember now they said there was a 4K coming out. Anyways, uh, I watched this on Canopy, though. And um, I thought it was on Criterion, to be honest. I was really sure. I would have bet money this was on Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. but it's not. Um, it's, it's a Kino through and through. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I watched it and enjoyed it. And I like the... Uh, Particularly, I like the um, set design, which is absolutely out of control. Like the 
angular, weird. Everything is like at an angle. <laughs> it's all. I mean, it's clearly all just like plywood, you know, <laughs> like on a soundstage. <laughs> but it's. I don't know. There's something about it. it's just very like dreamlike and interesting, uh, infinitely interesting to look at. And I enjoyed all the performances, and uh, I like the sort of twist on the whole Caligari thing at the end uh, with the mental hospital and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really, really, like, it held my attention, and it was very, very well made. So I'm glad I saw it. It seems like one that you just, you know, it's one of those classics you have to see. So now I've seen it. Mm. I can forget all about it. I never have to think, think about it again. No, I'm just kidding. I might watch it again in the future. I mean, that's you know, that's why I don't remember it. You don't? It's, yeah, no, knocked knocked this off the list when I was like 20. You know, so oh, oh right. You gave it a four and a half. It was uh, I actually had to watch this for some class at LSU. Mm. Yeah. Not even to film school. Huh. Yikes. Cool. Yeah. I need to watch it again. Like I remember being very interested in it, but like, um, yeah, I just need to watch it again. You're on like the low end of my friends who I follow who like the, who who have seen this. Like, I have a couple of people who gave it two, two and a half. You gave it a three. There's a three and a half here, but most people gave it like a four and four and a half, five. Right? Who's who's two and a halfing this shit? What's what's going on? Like, why is that a thing? I don't. It's this. No one. You don't no one knows because you. <laughs> it's, yeah. You can't. You can't remember. You know, after after a week, it's it's out of your head. And there are lots of iris shots in this movie. Mm. Um, like I feel like every single shot ends with an iris, which it it gets a little out of control. But I mean, I don't mind it. Mm. It's great. In fact, forget about. It. Forget I said anything. It's a wonderful <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it, it it led me to the Iris shot Wikipedia page where they actually talk about, you know, why filmmakers use it and the history of it and stuff. So it was pretty interesting. Nice. Cool. I would assume that this is on that Wikipedia page. You know, I don't think it was. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Well, uh, all right. Never mind. I think never mind. Uh, it was. I did, Well, honestly, though, it's been a while since. I mean, it was, I mean, I looked. I looked at it like right after I watched it. But um, I remember the only movie I remember specifically that they name dropped was. Um, and this is going to seem weird, but New York Stories, where they said that Scorsese uses it in his his short in New York Stories. Oh, Jesus Christ! So, out of all the movies, that established this shot. Use this shot. We had to suck Scorsese's dick for. Well, they were. I think they were saying that they, they were using. Short. They were using it as an example of someone who uses it in a modern film. Oh, uh, uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, I was gonna say like they they probably would have mentioned like uh, Birth of a Nation or something because like like they I re- mentioned. Let's see. I remember seeing something like apparently like Birth of a Nation is like the first like popular examples of like close ups and like like a huge amount of modern like tech well what we now know as you know modern movie techniques were like essentially like the first time most people saw them was birth of a nation as horrible yeah, as I mean, it says, the content it says of that film is it says so. a late example of non-ironic irising as part of the grammar of film is found in Life Lessons, the Martin Scorsese directed segment of New York Stories. So I guess it was using it as like, 
you know, there are cartoons that use it, ah. but that's, it wasn't, it wasn't specifically like, it was like people who actually use it seriously. Scorsese used it like as a, you know, to, to express something in the film. And, um, that's actually one of the only things name dropped on the page. There's not, there are no other films that are really talked about. Weird. The Truman show is name dropped, but <laughs> they don't talk about any, they just say it's used in silent films. Mm. Okay. All right. That is why I don't gamble. <laughs> That's to, why. Glad we got to the bottom of that, though. You know, yeah. really need to uh, examine. All right, a um, couple, a uh, couple quick ones here. I watched uh, Red Rocket last night. Um, again, just still trying to put 2021 behind me. Thought, thought this was a big one. Um, yeah. And I really liked it. I thought much of it was hilarious. Um, just the way that these characters interacted was was great. Um, Sean Baker is good at making his characters just feel like people in a world that uh, interact naturally, even when they're uh, awful people doing horrible things. Um, I didn't like the end. That's how do you yeah? How do you feel about the end? Is it like because I was and, like, and not just the end so much as like. It, this movie is is really good at like not having big dramatic moments, and then this moment that I thought was just pure comedy becoming like a catalyst for what happens at the end. I was not happy with. I was just really confused because like where she's the town that she's from that they go visit that house in. Uh, what's the town name? Do you remember? Wait, uh, no, I don't. I don't uh, either. They but leave I Texas Google- City to go somewhere, right? And I googled it. And I was like, I was like, I, I would bet any money. Corpus Christi. Is, yeah, well, it's not Corpus Christi. It's, it's not a. It's not like a known. It's not something that I recognized. And He's, I was like, I would bet any money. I was like, this is not a real town. I guarantee you, this is not a real town. This is made up because none of this is actually happening. This is all in his head, and they're not going to reveal that it's in his head, and that's fine. But I, but I'm, I'm, that, that, like that's what I was taking away from. Is like he's in a fantasy world. This girl is way too into him and like perfect and like he's not getting in trouble for anything he's doing you know like he's just getting away with everything and he's going and when he goes to this house that she lives in it's this perfect beautiful pink house it's like picaresque you know and it's just like it's so it was so strange to me but then i looked it up and the town does exist so i don't know (laughs) so i don't know i mean i I think a lot of what you are thinking could be correct but i don't know that it's all I don't know that's all in his head because he i mean he is actually gone and uh, you know there's i guess i don't remember any evidence that we have some sort of like unreliable narrator happening where like he was actually doing something else when he uh like lied to lexi and said that he had been in corpus christi the night before but yeah i don't know i uh again and it's not it's not even most of my stuff stems from the, the crash i don't like the crash as a uh as like a plot device turn. Hmm. I just, I just, I mean, but that's, but that's a big part of it too, though, because that, that event that he's worried about for the next, however long out of the movie, you know, he doesn't get punished for that event either. You know, like he did like, like nothing goes wrong for him because he manipulates someone who is, I don't know. Of course, yeah, lacking no, he's intelligence he's a, into he's to a doing piece of something. shit. I mean, that's that's like that's a, I agree, but like 
it's just I mean that's what led me to that and that like conclusion was like okay well Sean yeah. Baker's trying to say something about I don't know the, it, it just reminded me of um it's weird too because it reminded me of a little bit of um the house that Jack built in that way where he's trying to show the, like he's got the serial killer uh Lars von Trier has a serial killer who literally by acts of God is getting away with murder yeah you know and it's and I guess and he's trying to say something about about you know the sort of uh, carelessness of the universe or whatever you know there is no right and wrong like the moral ambiguity of things I guess but it's just like and I thought I was like I don't think Sean Baker's trying to get that into this with this movie but there are like tones of that there's something going on there like thematically that I'm not a hundred percent getting but I really I, I also really enjoyed Red Rocket yeah. it's in my top five so um, this. I think it is number 10 or number 11 where I put oh, it. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so yeah. And the other one, um, I don't, I don't know why I watched this. Honestly, I knew, I knew it was going to go the way it did. Um, just sort of a rhetorical question. Do you guys remember what you liked about Frank on that episode that you did without me on Frank? I like uh, this the, the song that he makes that's supposed to be uh, like the most popular song ever about Coca Cola. <laughs> oh okay. I like how um, I I remember uh, you know I'm not sure what I remember liking about it at this. I remember liking that Maggie Gyllenhaal said, "I'm not going to play the fucking ukulele," because uh, you know, like I'm, I'm just, sure we yeah, I'm sure we've like all a- met them, but you know. I, I saw your uh, I saw your po- your rating for this, and then I was like, "Yeah, that's uh, that seems right." Like I don't I don't think I like enjoyed that movie very much. And then I think I gave it like a three and a half. I looked you, and you I was did, like, yeah. I was like, "How do I give this movie a three and a half? Like I don't remember anything about <laughs> I, like loving anything about this." I, I but mean, I mean I, yeah, I, it's, I, I think it's just like I think it's just like what we've said. It's like anecdotal. Like there's a couple of moments that make us laugh, and it's mm. like it's just kind of disposable comedy. Yeah, Whereas, it, it did make me laugh. I, I wish, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I, I usually like. I don't know. I don't know why this idea, this concept, was like. Why is this a movie? I don't. The whole time, I was just like, Why is this a movie? Why am I watching this? Why is Maggie Gyllenhaal in this? Like, why? Uh, um, it was just. It was not. It was not working for me on any level. But that's. <laughs> We, you know, you guys did a whole fucking episode on it, so I won't, uh, <laughs> yeah. won't get into it. So the most, the most likable song ever. <laughs> He's like Coca Cola, Coca Cola. <laughs> I just, I don't know. That really got me. I really enjoyed that part. I laughed a lot at that. Yeah. And then I, I really, I remember liking the. Um, I guess this is kind of a cheap way out, but I remember liking the songs. Like I liked the song at the end that they all sing together. Mm. I just enjoyed like I enjoyed the song itself. Which is rare for me, like when they write a song for a movie, like a band is playing a song in a movie, it's not usually good. And this seemed like it was actually pretty good, you know? Mm. So, okay. I don't know. I, I'm sure if I rewatched it, it would go down. There's no way I'd give this a three and a half. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, just having to watch another movie with Domino Gleason, it would be like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like yeah, Michael I'm Fassbender, and I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Scoot McNary is in it, from what I remember. Yeah, Scoot McNary rocks. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, the movie itself is kind of 
Oh, it's everything you don't Ace. like about trash indie bands. <laughs> yeah. Making their trash indie album. <laughs> yeah, I and I don't I that commentary was uninteresting to me. It's like I don't care about making fun of these silly bands that take themselves too seriously. But um I think the only moment I enjoyed was how he got into the band. Um like their keyboardist like goes crazy and tries to drown himself in the English channel. And uh oh, he's yeah. just he's just like there. Mm-hmm. Uh like on like on a bench near the uh, the water and goes up to them and is like I play keyboard mm. and uh they just invite him to a show and he plays uh 10 seconds of a song before the band gets really mad and that's it he's in <clears throat> anyway well there you go yeah. it's a Lenny Abramson film you know it's not supposed to be good yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> the guy made room for god's he, sake he sure fucking did yeah <laughs> Anyway. Uh, Alright, Kevin. Um let's see. The only other things I have, um so I watched uh QT eight, the documentary about mm. Tarantino, which is like I mean, it's an hour and a half of people going, Oh, Quentin Tarantino's great and then like a couple of minutes <laughs> here of here and there of how awful Harvey Weinstein is, but that's you know, like a total of five minutes out of an hour and a half, so it's like whatever. Um, Seems like a weird thing to even include. Yeah, um, I mean, but if you don't include it, then you're right. like yeah, ignoring yeah, the Harvey yeah. Weinstein of it all. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could just ignore. I would just ignore Harvey Weinstein. I mean, if it's about Tarantino, then you know, talk about how great his writing and his directing is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, in those first in those first three movies, not all eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh John, you want to talk about Fox and his friends? Sure. Cool. Um yeah, we were forced to watch Fox and his friends, which is no kind of punishment if you ask me. Uh This is on I think this is on both of our Criterion challenges, right? Yeah. Kevin? Yeah. Um directed by Rainer Werner Fassbender from 1975, starring, starring. Rainer Werner Fassbender. Yeah. Uh, and this is about a man named Fox. What was his actual name, though? It's like Franz or something. Franz, yeah. They call him Franz more than they call him Fox. Yeah. Um, it's about Franz, a.k.a. Fox, who, uh, is a circus performer, (laughs) which is, like, kind of strange because it's completely, like, irrelevant to the plot of the film, but at the beginning he's a circus performer, and then he just randomly wins half a million uh, Deutschmarks, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly he's wealthy or wealthier, and uh, he starts to hobnob with his uh, his rich friends, and uh, they're all casually gay together. And he starts dating one of them, and the one that he dates, that guy who is Peter Chattel, Eugen. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is just such a piece of shit in this movie. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, I was just I was so annoyed. Like every time he said anything, I was like, "Oh, this guy's just—he's uh, the worst." But um, yeah, and then uh, he sort of uh, gets used and abused. Yeah, by Eugen and all of his friends, and uh, it's you know it's an obvious sort of commentary on uh, class structure and. 
yeah it's like it's like so you know like franz just franz is just, you know he's just giving money away like left and right and it's like you know it's like dude you might want to hold on to some of that yeah, when they were when they went on like the um, when he bought the apartment and then they went to that guy's office and were buying all the stuff. Mm. He was like, "I want this bed and I want that chair." And like I was like, I, it made me ang- anxious. Like I was getting anxiety. I was like, "Dude, you gotta stop, man! Like <laughs> you don't have that much money. Like you gotta relax." And you know where yeah. it's going. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just like I want. I find. Fassbender to be his like his him as an actor I find his character to be likable and mm. I, I want him to succeed even though I know I understood pretty early that the point of the film is that they're gonna fuck him essentially yeah and um you know just use him until he's all dried up and then it's you know kill him essentially I mean they use him to death essentially yeah so but yeah I really I don't know I really enjoyed it I thought it was um very like i mean i fastbender just makes a good movie like he makes a it's a solidly entertaining well made well directed very well written well acted film and i i i it struck me how like i don't understand why more of his stuff isn't remade like mm. in english versions in hollywood for instance i mean maybe they have been i don't know i mean this is an old movie but i was thinking like this would be like this is like ripe for a remake. Like you could, like it feels like. I'm not that I necessarily need that or want that to happen, but it just seems like something that seemed like really obvious. Like that a Hollywood producer would see this and be like, "Oh, I could make this into like a, you know, sort of mid-budget drama for relatively little money, and mm. turn it around on VOD." But I don't know. And I, I and I always liked. This is it. Reminded me a little bit of um, Gus Van Sant's first film, Malanoche. In that, like characters are gay, and it's just completely like not a thing that they acknowledge at mm. all. They're just gay. Like that's just they're that's they're just people who are gay. Yeah, they're just you know what I mean. Go- it's not, they don't have, they're not struggling because they're gay. Mm, it's yeah. not an issue. They they just are gay. <laughs> you know, and they're like carrying on relationships like people do. Yeah, uh, and I really I appreciate that. I always like seeing stuff like that where it's just it's not. It's just treated as something that's totally normal. You know? mm, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it would be like they should be making movies like this, where you know, like, you know, they talk, you know, they talk so much about like, oh, you know, let's have queer representation in cinema. It's like, well, yeah, there it is. But see, Hollywood's idea of queer representation yeah, is the same yeah. thing as their idea of like racial representation. It has right. to be some kind of like story of a put upon person who's being discriminated against you know and it's like Mm. it has to victimize the minority in order for it to be interesting which is why movies like green book you know win the oscar yeah yeah (laughs) that's what that is right it's like you wouldn't have a movie like this win the oscar because it's nuanced (laughs) and it's complex and there's more going on and the commentary isn't about gay people the commentary is about social structures you know and class structures yeah so and the and the fact that like you know like the fact that you see gay people going through you know it's like if you would put like men and women in this movie it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been any different you know sure like the the fact that it they're represented been, it would, it as people 
just living their lives sure. is, you know, it's weird to I say agree. in and it 2022, been, it's like, that's groundbreaking. I would say that it's almost like if you, I don't know that you could even have the film necessarily this in the same way. And like the same way that the dynamic is between Eugen and Franz, mm. the way that Eugen uses Franz, like I don't, if, if one of them is a woman, mm. I don't know. I don't know how that works exactly. I mean, it, cause it's like, cause then it's like, if Franz is the woman, like if they, if they, they cast Franz as a female, mm. change the character. Then it's like you're, you know, you're saying, okay, the the woman is being victimized, and then it's like if you cast the other, the villain as the woman, then it's like, well, what a woman just uses a guy for his money, and so it's <laughs> yeah, like, you're right. There's really no way to even do it and make it like, uh, you know, inoffensive, which is obviously what Hollywood want would want to do. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm I I liked it a lot. It was. Uh, close to a four and a half actually for me it's probably like a 4.25 for me mm. i really liked it um i also um watched whitey which is another fassbender film mm. today because i liked this one so much so i went on a i'm going to go on a bender i'm in the middle of the bender right now <laughs> i watch whitey and tomorrow i'm gonna watch what uh, what kind of bender a fast bender. <laughs> there, there it is. Yeah, there, there yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I watched Whitey from 1971, which is his Western. Oh. <laughs> it's not really, I mean, I, I don't know. To call it a Western is strange because it's not, uh, it's set in the Old West and it does have six shooters. So I guess by that, by our previous definition, I guess it counts as a Western. But it's not about like a gunslinger or anything. It's about a slave, uh, which they call a butler in the movie. But he's like obviously. I mean, I guess he's not a slave because it's 1878. But anyway, mm. he's like he's the you know they call him the N word a lot and stuff like this. So he's obviously you know not treated like an equal. And um, he works for this like really weird dysfunctional family. And this movie is just so bizarre and surreal. Uh, like way more. Way stranger than anything that he's that I've that I've seen him do, really, mm. Fassbender. Because I mean, it's like, like just touches like the like the family like they'll have they have like the two sons of the family have makeup on the whole movie, like really really heavy pale makeup, and one of them is like it's almost green, like when he's in certain scenes, like it's really heavy and obvious and uh, and one of the sons is a gay guy and then one of the sons is uh mentally challenged i mean they use the word retarded multiple times to describe him but it's just like this totally strange i feels like something harmony corinne would like really really have enjoyed and been influenced by mm. that's probably the best way to put it but uh i didn't dislike it at all it's just it's just like an oddity it's not one of you know it's not high high uh high-end fassbender mm. but it's it seems like something that's maybe important in his growth as a filmmaker it is early after all it's 1971 so oh okay i still want to watch world on a wire again yeah me i have n i've never seen world on a wire i need to see yeah that. like i'm pretty sure Pretty sure I watched like the theatrical cut, but I'd like to see the TV cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is the theatrical cut much shorter? 
I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure it is, you know, but I think it's like the difference is like, you know, two and a half hours versus like, I don't know, three and a half. Right. Something like that. Yeah, it's it's almost four. Yeah, it's just it's in between three and a half and four hours. Mm, okay. The, uh, the, the television cut. Cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I like I like seeing more um, science fiction where it's not, you know, so techno science fiction where the science is you know like like you you know like solaris you know even though they're on a distant planet and etc etc it's more like the science that they're fictionalizing is more psychology and um that kind of stuff than say you know computers yeah it says the um it's split into two episodes like the I guess the TV version, so mm. it's probably an easier watch too. It's probably like you know they're probably like ninety minute episodes or something. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to watch more. I've had I've just I've had these two uh, Fantoma DVD box sets of his stuff for like ten years now, and I've never looked at any of them. And Whitey was in one of those, and mm. so I watched Whitey, and I'm gonna watch the other one from that one cool. uh, soon. But I just want to get some more Fassbender in my life, you know? Mm. The guy's great. Yeah. So great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jerry, you have anything else? Uh, I just want to mention uh, we're all going to the World's Fair, which uh, Don't premiered. Don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You could talk about it. I'm going to watch it, though. Oh. Because I was going to watch I was going to try to watch it for this episode, but I watched Whitey instead. Sorry, it's um, well, it's it's cool. I had uh, okay. it made me very un- it made me very uncomfortable, uh, in in good ways, and yeah. um, I also caught up with the uh, Sparks Brother documentary that Edgar Wright made uh, last year. I was talking to you guys uh, pre-show about this. Watched it the same night as our deep dive time to kill, uh, at times interspersed with time to kill um and uh and this movie this movie asks uh how do you cover a career that spans 50 ish years and uh 25 studio albums uh you do it as um you know just as chronological and as a service level as possible um it's like literally a list they go through each of the albums and it's just like highlights associated with those like the respective albums and it just uh it's like avoid depth and conflict at all costs, please. Wow. Uh, that's this is like, I, I you know I should I've I've been told like it's for fans of the band and I don't like I didn't know this band until I knew there was a documentary and that they were doing yeah, the, uh, yeah that's a, music that's a... and it's just like it's it's just it feels gross and it's like I know you're a fan, but can we do something interesting in 140 minutes? Yeah, the whole um, I'm you know it's for fans is such a bullshit cop out because <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan I'm a fan of bands and I don't want to watch some saccharine fucking sanitized shit fest you know <laughs> yeah uh, portrait of a band like it's well, like that if, Bowie if, thing I watched that uh, David Bowie five years documentary on BBC is so fucking boring like I don't want I, I don't need to hear things I already know about well yeah and it's or like hear if, how great the albums are I know the albums are great I'm a fucking fan mm. if this is for fans of Sparks then 
they knew all this shit. And yeah. I'm guessing that Edgar Wright is, is also like doing this as like an advocate for a band that has not been of as course. popular as it should be. But right. that whatever. It's uh it's not good. Mm. I like it more than um the movie that Kevin and I were complaining about last time. Mm. I forgot the name of it because I'm erasing. Last night in so yeah, yeah yeah. No, I'm erasing him from my brain. I forgot the oh, name of the I movie, see. and I'm. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. You should forget his name. Yeah, he hasn't done anything past uh, World's End in 2013. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that's fair. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Wait, when did he make Scott Pilgrim? I like Scott Pilgrim. That was like 2010. <laughs> okay, we're yeah. good. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so <laughs> who knows? I might hate that now. I don't even know. Who knows? I think it. I think it. He, it held up. Last time I he watched, should it. really. He, he really should just stick with Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost. You know. Yeah. Make movies with those guys till he dies. For real. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, let's get into a time to kill. This is the deep dive for this week. It's from 1989. It's directed by Giuliano Montaldo, and uh, it stars Nicolas Cage and Giancarlo Giannini, among other people. I mean, Ricky Tognazzi. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's about an Italian army soldier in Ethiopia who goes on a walk and does some things. I don't know. It's, it's hard not to a walk describe. in the clouds. We know that. He's, uh, well, he has he has a toothache, and uh, and he's in a lot of pain. So he's like trying to find a doctor, but he's also really just like trying to leave and get home. And this does feel very much like you punished us for watching a walk in the clouds. Uh, I don't know what my rating is yet. I don't know if I hate it as much as you hated a walk in the clouds or anything, but <laughs> I did find this to be very hard to watch. And you said that as you, as you like gave it to us, you were like, I hear it's a tough one. And it, it was, this was tough for me. Uh, I hope that you guys feel differently so we can, uh, I, chat it out. I didn't find it difficult I, uh, to watch at all, but sorry. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to get through, but it, I wouldn't say it was compelling either, for the most part. Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure John didn't, you know, it wasn't his design to be like, oh, like, this is, you know, walk in the, you know, the negative version of walk in the clouds. Um, but there are a lot of similarities, you know, you have like, um, so Nicolas Cage being an army guy, like, um, like Reeves was, um, but whereas like Nick Cage gets into well, you know, like on his walk he rapes a woman and ends up accidentally murdering her. Cause not accidentally, he accidentally shoots her, but then he very purposefully kills her. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and you know, like so he's you know, spending the rest of the movie trying to get away from the thing that he has done. Whereas like, you know, Keanu was, you know, innocently getting into it. And then like, Oh no, I gotta get, I gotta get back to my other life. But then it was like, no, I actually, so my chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but um, and yeah, like also like the at the end, the use of the stock footage and making it look like you know footage in the movie. Yeah, that um, was weird. That was eerie when that happened. I was yeah, like, that's like it was, really uh, weird how that how they do that same exact thing in Walk of the Clouds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, guys, Giancarlo, better or worse in Walk in the Clouds? Because I think it's about the same. I think. <laughs> I think he's much. I thought he's much better in this actually. <laughs> I don't know. I I think the the he's definitely still got the overacting thing. Yeah, I mean, he's opinion. over the top, but I think it's it works with his character more in this. I okay. I think the character makes more sense in this, like this mm. this guy who's like kind of gone mad from from his situation, just like being at war, being part of a a system or um, campaign that makes no sense. That's that's how I I read that that sort of madness, at least. Um, I don't know. I, I thought his scenes, like the movie came to life in a way that, uh, like had energy that just wasn't there before. And like Nicholas Cage does some Nicholas Cage stuff sometimes where he'll, he'll get kind of yelly. Uh, mm. and that's not, guys, I don't, and I don't hey, mean to say that like I'm in sorry, a bad JR. way. JR, give me one second. All right. We're going to have to stop. Just pause real quick. Okay. Uh, you don't I have die. to pause the recording or anything. Just give me one second. Did I die or did John die? Uh, he's no. Oh, John froze died. for a little while there. Am I? Am I here? Which, which John is dead? JL. Okay. I think he's got to go do something. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just seeing a frozen shot of his arm. Yeah. I wonder if he is doing something or if he's fixing something because his shit got all fucked. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. All right. Review canceled. <laughs> it's fine with me. Just kidding. Oh, his his arm's not there anymore. I mean, his whole camera setup has moved. Yeah. Well, I think he was just using the webcam on his computer this time. I mean, we're still on track to do the shortest episode that we've done in a while, so. Yeah, which is great for yeah, yeah. our night. Well, it would have been great for our night. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll still go two hours. Sure. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Anything is possible. Yes.
We could talk about this movie for an hour and a half. We could talk about this movie for the same length as the movie. Do you ever could do. listen to like Do you ever listen to like podcasts about Do you ever listen to other movie or like TV show oriented podcasts? Uh, the, the closest that I get is, um, I watch, um, Angry Video Game Nerd, like, I mean, well, he had a podcast for a while, but he hasn't, like, done any episodes of that in a long time, but, um, yeah, typically I'll, I'll watch his stuff, um, but yeah, other, other than that, like, not a whole lot. There Uh, are, oh, no... Okay, here. You can sit right there. I'm gonna sit in uh, mommy's spot. Here. Oh. Okay. Lay well, down. Oh wow. Film junk shirt. Is that fucking? Oh. Or is that Reed? On your shirt? Hang on. What is happening? Oh, there we go. Hey, you guys hear me? Yeah. I hear you. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh yeah. No, she's just being a butt. <laughs> she was not going to sleep and uh, driving her mother insane. So, yeah. um, and now she's going to be nice and good. And fall asleep so right there, hopefully. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sorry, JR. Continue. I apologize. Uh, yeah, so I think I was talking about how the. Yeah, uh, this movie just kind of comes to life when uh, John Carlos on screen has an energy that is not present, even when Nicolas Cage is doing you know like Nicolas Cage things and and yelling at people, getting mad, um, very boisterously, and that's not always bad when he does that, but it just it doesn't it did not snap me out of my coma the way that uh, John Carlos character did. That's it. Hmm. I'm out. I'm out of comments for the movie. That's not true. <laughs> I gotta watch. I, uh, well, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I liked, oh my God, he loved it. He loved it. No, no, I didn't love it. I enjoyed it though. I was, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm. I will say that, uh, nitpick wise, like his, when he gets his tooth pulled, his scream was hilarious and I laughed a lot. <laughs> Like when he's just like, yeah, <laughs> like it cuts to the next scene with him screaming. That was very, very funny. And I'm sure it wasn't meant to be. Um, mm. But, uh, and I don't like the flashback storytelling device normally. Like the, like how it starts, it's good. And he goes, he, he has a toothache. He wants to go to the fort and then he gets in a car wreck. And then it's like, suddenly he's at the fort <laughs> and then he's telling his buddy how what happened after the just, car wreck, and I'm just like, I don't like, I don't like that I, normally. Yeah, I understand that he. Uh, I didn't like it. It initially didn't make sense to me, but mm. I, he's got to. Part of the point of this is like he's he has revealed a crime, like a serious crime, mm. uh, assuming that there will be consequences. I think he assumes there will be consequences, and there's just there aren't. No one gives a shit that he. Uh, raped and killed this um you know this local woman um and i think that is like what that's what gets his mind in the right place to think 
uh, when he learns about the like the tradition of you know that sort of um, the head covering being a, like a, a signifier of leprosy, it's like that's he's in that like place of guilt to to start worrying that he has leprosy because of it, um, and that it, that only happens with him admitting the crime. But I wish they could find a way to do that without that structure. Mm. <laughs> can we can we have him admit the crime without <laughs> doing the flashback shit that was annoying? Yeah. I thought the truck driver was hilarious. Like, like, I don't know what happened. We were just on the road, and next thing I know, we're smacked into a boulder, and he left me behind. It's like, <laughs> well, he says he says that uh, Nicholas Cage was talking him up, but yeah. Nicholas Cage yeah. never said anything. Like he was just talking nonstop. Yeah, the dude was like not good. looking at the road, going like you know fifty miles an hour, and just plowed no. into plowed the, uh, into this rock. The driver, the driver was being a real. Uh, Mike Saber and Mikey Saber and yeah. Red Rocket in the car. <laughs> Mikey, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I thought the uh, I don't I didn't like the score a lot, but it is that classic '80s mm. pan flute and Ayo Morricone. You know, like he just does yeah. the same score yeah, like, over yeah, and over yeah. again in the '80s. I I didn't notice his, and this is. This is his name was probably at the beginning of the movie, and I didn't mm-hmm. notice it at all. It was. Yeah. Uh, but when it showed up at the end, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And I, I went back and like just was trying to like sample some of the score, and I was like, why didn't I notice it at all? Because uh, it was pretty normal. Not mm. not exceptional by, by his standards at all. No, it was, like, it was the exact same score as uh, Casualties of War. It was just so, like this pan, pan flute. <laughs> can I? Yeah. A war we pan want, flute. You know, I'm guessing yeah. that we watched, we all watched this on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I certainly, I certainly did. Yeah. Okay. The, um, you know, and I, this probably is a movie that has never had even like a DVD release in America. Um, and it's, you know, we're watching shitty quality, but damn, did it just like feel like one of those movies that only exists very late at night on some obscure like cable channel um that is just like it's quiet it's in very low quality on like me tv or some crap or and Z channel. i would yeah like i would never <laughs> see it again and like i turn it on at two in the morning just flipping channels and i watch it for a minute and i just like can't figure out what's going on mm. barely anyone's talking <laughs> and it's just it's like this movie that like only exists like in some weird Boy. background universe um it it really it, like it feels it almost feels like fake it's it, it's fake it's only shown on a fake channel late at night and the lowest quality possible oh my um yeah maybe i don't know i okay the, the i can explain why i like this movie mm. um i don't want you to so so here's a uh, well i mean here's my here's my defense of this film okay and I feel, and I feel it's going to feel s- silly because I feel like you guys are smart enough to understand this. And but it feels like no one else who has reviewed this movie uh, on Letterbox, all these reviews I'm reading, they, it's like they don't get it or something. Mm. And it seems to me like it's a pretty straightforward critique of colonialism and fascism. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the fact that okay, well. Nicolas Cage does these things and like horrible things and tries to do horrible things. And only feels bad about it when it affects him personally. Uh, the, the the leprosy and the not being able to get on the boat, and et cetera, et cetera. 
and as soon as <laughs> like he's willing to sort of um do his penance for those things once he realizes that he might have leprosy like he goes to the father you know and he mm. wants you know I'm sick to my soul I don't want you to leave me I want to stay here with you all that stuff but then as soon as he realizes that she didn't have leprosy well, next shot he's again, Exactly. Next shot, he's on the boat. Like, he's ready to go. He's smiling, you know? And it's just like, it, it reminds me of, like, again, and I hate to say it, but I thought about it with this one, too, the house that Jack built. It's like, yeah. it's like here's this guy who gets no punishment for anything that he does, right? He rapes mm. this woman. He shoots her in the head. He hides her body. He gets caught. No one cares. Even the father doesn't seem to care. Right. You know? <laughs> like, it's just like he gets away with, literally gets away with murder. And it seems like it's a, it seems like it's a, um, I'm sorry, it seems like it's a, a, a statement on how, you know, these countries invade other countries. You know, Italy goes in and rapes Ethiopia mm. and nothing happens. It doesn't get punished for it. You know, right? It just goes on to the next thing. I, I think you're right, and I think, like, I've I've got a, a big note about what you're talking about, uh, and I, that note includes why, I I just I still think it is unsuccessful in its attempts to to make statements like this. Uh, but it, this is like something that I was thinking about near the end of the movie, where things are becoming more explicit. Uh, it, it just like didn't erase just kind of like again like the boredom that I could not work through um, but I, I think that this like what you're saying yeah it's about colonialism and sort of like the racism and sexism inherent in colonizing um, it, I just when your characters are only the colonizers and like even like Miriam and Johannes uh, like the movie, like centers on what he did to Miriam, uh, but she herself is like only a plot device. Like she is the source of his guilt and his like psychological torment. And her father, Johannes, who saves the day for him at the end, he's just like this cure. Like, and I know like to make them real characters would almost like be contradictory. Like to probably to what. Uh, Montaldo's like trying to do like these aren't people to Nicolas Cage they're not people to uh to Italy but mm. I wish that they were people to to us but it's just like it's I agree with with what you just said about what Montaldo thinks probably is which is that yeah you don't make them characters because they're not people right and it's just like you don't you don't get to know the people that uh, Jordan Belfort is screwing over in Wolf of Wall Street, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, that, that the movie is, is right. not about that. It's about impugning his actions, and so you show his actions and how despicable they are. But, not that these are, you know, directly relatable, but, mm. I mean, it, it's similar in a way. And, uh, yeah, and I, 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 but I, but, you know, that's a flaw. If that's, if that's something you're feeling, it's a flaw. I mean, it's like... And, and I'm sure there is a way a more talented filmmaker maybe could have weaved in more characters uh, or, or, or built those characters up a little bit more, not you, focus so much on You know, them. like, the Belfort stuff works because it's also, like, it's, it's funny. Sure, um, sure. It's very entertaining. <laughs> it, it is funny, and we are both, like, laughing with Belfort and at him. Um 
I think that sense of humor does a lot for that story. And I know people have criticized it for, you know, not focusing on victims or whatever. And I, I don't care about mm-hmm. that. So, you, no. you, you know, I'm contradicting what I said, but I, I do think. <laughs> no, but that's a good point. Like, I mean, you if, can't argue with your board. If you're bored with the first uh, half hour of this movie, you can't argue with that. I mean, like, that's just, you know, mm. it is slow. I mean, there's it's a it's a weird way, and the weird the, the way that it's structured is not helping that at all. No. But. Yeah, like I was more interested in like like it seemed like you know, Nick Nicholas Cage like like the stakes for him seemed less like personal, but it was more like oh like what did I how did I mess this up for our you know our troops. Because, you know, like, they're already dealing with, you know, the quote-unquote rebels and whatever. It's like, oh, they find someone, they find one of their tribe dead. Like, they're going to make trouble for us. And, like, you know, I'm going to be the source of that. Um, So it's like, yeah, it's like he's not even really, like, getting into, like, the, you know, personal responsibility of it. Like, oh, you know, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, until, you know, later when he can't get on the boat. But, like... Oh, it's like I may have messed things up for us as Italy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't, you know, I don't like the. Uh, I, 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 I guess, like the the things that I don't like about this film are like nitpicks, and that's why I sort of like am gonna give it. It's gonna seem like a high rating, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but. It, like I, I enjoy the fact that it's sort of like it ha- that it that it functions as a critique of colonialism of fascism but it also uh, and of racism but it also works as like a, th- a, th- a th- partially as a thriller there's mm. at least you know the middle section where he's on the run essentially which I also really enjoyed and I thought it was like um, it reminded me of um there's a Denzel Washington movie called out of time I don't know if you guys have seen that Mm-mm. it's like a thriller where he's a detective in Hawaii and um he i forget he does something wrong like something corrupt and uh he's having to go through the whole movie hiding what he did from everybody and it's just really tense and suspenseful Mm. and i found sections of this that way also like when he visits the doctor and is questioning him (laughs) yeah sort of clumsily questioning him about leprosy i'm writing a film and there's gonna be this character who has leprosy that was bizarre (laughs) yeah yeah but well, then your character is going to turn himself in, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I I did laugh when Nicholas Cage shot at that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was. And I, I did not. Yeah, I didn't think he was uh, going to do that. Yeah, I was glad. Yeah, I actually, when he shot and missed, I was like, if he had shot this, like when he pulled his gun on him, I was like. This is so out of control. Like he's just gonna murder this guy in cold blood, and then he missed and ran away. And I was like, "That's better," because it shows like he's, you know, like he's not. It's just I don't know. It was something less ruthless about the fact that he mm. missed. Like he's almost like he's a goof, you know? Yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't hit the fucking guy from ten feet away. Yeah, it made I him think seem I, less dangerous. Yeah, I think that does. It does the movie credit to like make him so inept. Yeah, because obviously you're not on his side. Although mm. I think that's I mean I think feel like that's the issue people are having with the film well, uh, in these has, reviews is you know 
it's got that very I associate it with like the seventies of like uh you know, we have what is clearly a rape and then we have the woman being raped or a person being raped kind of like being into the person that raped her. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a rough look. Um Yeah. I you know unless but it's also, like this Are we unless, seeing it from his perspective and he's Yeah, he's, that's you know that's He's possible. telling himself she's into it. We're like we're we're into each other. It's good. We like each. You know. <laughs> That's also, I I considered like, is there a world in which Miriam is uh, I don't know, considering like some strategic advantage of of having like a an Italian lieutenant uh, who likes her mm. and might you know make life a little easier. I don't know. Uh, it's. It's it's hard to like say that and think like oh yeah like the rape will make my life easier, uh, but I don't I don't know. There's in general it's just not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, it's a weird. Uh, I mean, it's just I I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's Nicolas Cage also mm. for a lot of these people, especially who are reviewing this. You know, he's obviously the draw for this at this point. You'd watch this thing. This is a Nicolas Cage movie nobody's ever heard of. And you want to watch it because, you know, he's popular and he might get crazy in it. And the mm. things that he does that are crazy are really crazy and disturbing. And <laughs> you kind of, uh, you know, you're bummed out. Yeah. The, um, I feel like Nicolas Cage has been reappraised nowadays as like, it's like what I was saying, you know, a while back about like uh, Twin Peaks. Like, do people genuinely appreciate Twin Peaks for what it is? Or do they just appreciate the campy kitschy nature of a lot of it and i think mm. and i think most of the time they just like it oh it's like oh it's so weird <laughs> you know and no, i think that's true for a lot of lynch's stuff for a lot of people yeah for sure and like you just watch it because it's yeah weird yeah and especially like that's how cage is viewed now yeah well, i agree I mean, you know it there are Cage Cage has legitimately amazing performances. Cage also has, you know, twenty years of of starring in, in garbage that he knows is garbage and, and still putting in like some 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 effort and for that sometimes that's uh, over the top shenanigans and uh Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you can like watch cage ironically sometimes and you can also think that cage is a brilliant performer uh i will be you know keith phipps a former writer at the av club and the dissolve and um he's on the next picture show podcast uh, a critic that i enjoy he put out a book in march all about nicholas cage like going through his whole filmography i am uh I've been on hold of the library. Should have it pretty soon. I'm very curious to see what uh, a real critic has to say about this movie that I'm pretty sure no one has ever seen besides the seven people who've logged it on Letterboxd. Mm. Hi. So at this point, we completely lost control of the ship here. 
And um, unfortunately, the rest of the episode is fairly unlistenable for various reasons. So our letterbox roulette pick, which Kevin and I, this is John, by the way, Kevin and I will be watching Finis Tire, Tere, uh, which is a Swedish silent film, I want to say. It's been a while, guys. We recorded this almost a week ago now. Finisterre. There it is. By Gene Epstein from 1929. So this is what Kevin and I will be watching. And then JR's pick was the Stanley Donen classic. It's always fair weather. Directed by Stanley Donen and Gene Kelly. He wanted to do a musical. He gave this a four and a half back in eight years ago, 2013. So for next time, if you're keeping up, we're watching Finisterre and It's Always Fair Weather from 1955. Thanks so much for listening. Visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com. Listen and subscribe. Download us on... uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Visit our Instagram at Film Yak Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Is John frozen again, or is he just really mad? I can't see him. Oh, he's probably both. He is frozen again.